Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As die-hard conservative. I look to this guy for wisdom. Uh, this is Drew Allen, back with you. I know you've been dying to hear what I have uh, have to say about. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm I'm sorry. You know, I, I, I the the story that I just didn't even intend to talk about. Uh, I it just came. I came across it, and it's got me laughing. And I'll tell you why. Uh, so. Russell Wilson uh, out due to an injury. Uh, <laughs> Russell Wilson, of, of course, the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks, a wonderful quarterback. And <laughs> the reason, the reason uh, that I, I am losing it at the opening of today's uh, uh, um, enlightening I- endeavor and show is, is because uh, so, so Pete Carroll says they're, they're talking to everybody that can help us. <laughs> But you know, you know who they're not. You know who Pete Carroll is not reaching out to. He's not. He's not reaching out to Colin Kaepernick. Poor Colin Kaepernick. This guy. I mean, how long has this guy not been in the NFL? And this is. <laughs> this is what the left will be talking about. Is is how this is another uh, opportunity for Colin Kaepernick to play in the league. This guy, you know, uh, forty years from now, when he's as old as as Tom Brady is, and of course, not even close to the the quality of a quarterback that that the goat is, they'll still be pushing this drivel about Colin Kaepernick being overlooked. He'll be an 80-year-old man in a wheelchair, and, and a quarterback's going to go down, and they'll be saying, oh, if only Colin Kaepernick were healthy to play, he could really help this team out. <laughs> Poor Colin K, huh? He just he just can't, can't. I'm so tired of Colin Kaepernick. Why? This guy's not not relevant anymore. You know, I, I, I sound like I'm on the laughing gas. I'm not. I just, uh, I don't know. Lately, I've had a revelation. You know, I'm just, I'm just trying to look at things uh, with a little bit more humor and enjoyment because things can be so, so dire. But anyway, there you have it. Um, Colin Kaepernick, uh, it looks like he's not going to have another opportunity um, you know, somehow now that he's been out of the league for a number, number of years, gee, you know, uh, shocking that Pete Carroll would not, you know, that Russell Wilson wouldn't, uh, sorry, not Russell Wilson, Colin Kaepernick's not the first call to come in and, and save the team. Imagine that. But anyway, I, 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 I wanted to lead with this story before I lost it. Um, I, I went and saw the James Bond movie and now, look, you may have heard some things. It's woke. It's not. It's not. All right. If it was woke and if it sucked, believe me, you could depend on me to be the, your first resource to tell you to stay away. Uh, and I, 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 I want to talk to you about it. I want to tell you a few points that I have that, that, that are important, of course, to our ongoing discussion about the annihilation of America at the hands of the left. 
But I can't make one of my most important points, unfortunately, because I just can't. I don't have it in me to ruin it for you. Uh, I just got around to seeing the movie in, in movie theaters, and uh, I want to give you a, a chance to see it before I ruin it for you. Uh, so no, there aren't any spoiler alerts here, all right? So you don't have to tune out. You can stay with me, uh, and I'll tell you what I have to say. But I went to see this James Bond movie, uh, No Time to Die. And this was the, the first movie I have seen in movie theaters. And that's the other point, right? I went to a physical movie theater, uh, believe it or not, in Napa County, uh, the small town where I live. I didn't have to show proof of vaccination to get in, so that was a, a bit of good news. But um, nonetheless, this was the first movie I've seen since March of 2020, since this pandemic began. Of course, for a long time, it wasn't even possible to go see a movie theater. And that's another point I'm going to make. But I went and saw the Bond movie. Daniel Craig's last last stint as James Bond. And I, I am a bit of a Bond fanatic. I have seen pretty much every Bond movie. And, and I, I have great regard for Sean Connery and his years doing it. There are a number of, of fantastic James Bonds. Of course, you know, when I was coming of age to see these films, it was actually Pierce Brosnan that was, was you know, had that role at the time. And I love Pierce Brosnan uh, just because of the time of my life in which he happened to be the Bond. But I got to tell you, there has been, in my experience, and a part of it has to do, of course, with the technology and where we are. Uh, you watch old movies and they were great then, but we've come such a long way that it's hard to appreciate, you know, the storytelling and the acting as much, because it's improved so drastically. And so Daniel Craig, to me, I mean, he really does, he's played a tremendous Bond. Uh, and this movie was not a disappointment. It delivered on, it was firing on all cylinders like a, like a V12 engine. Everything you would expect or hope from a James Bond film, this one delivered. I mean, from the, the car chase scenes, these sequences... You know, these writers, by the way, they've written some of the others, all of the others in this Daniel Craig, uh, uh, you know, series. And these are tremendous writers. Yeah, it's had a little bit of ups and downs, but overall, it's had a great run with Daniel Craig. And it, I mean, these these car chasings, these brilliant sequences, so creative. The, the trouble they get him in, the way they get him out of it, the way they just deliver to what your expectations they throw you for a loop. They get your blood pressure up. How's he going to get out of this situation? He gets out of it. Oh, there's another problem thrown at him. I mean, it's brilliant storytelling. Technically, creatively, no matter how you want to look at it. And the story is good. The villain's good. It's touching. There's romance. And Daniel Craig, what, what, what struck me, do you realize that Daniel Craig and James Bond are the definition of what the left well, what they define as toxic masculinity. James Bond is everything the left tells us a man should not be. And yet, when I was sitting in there, in that theater, statistically, by the way, because I lived in a far-left area, the majority of the people in this theater were what? Of course, you guessed it. They're leftists. And I'm sitting there, and these people are having the time of their lives. These people who walk around thinking that James Bond represents toxic masculinity, they're in there watching it with their own eyes and celebrating it. They can't take their eyes off the screen. And that's my point. You know, when CNN, uh, Don Lemon, uh, leftist Democrats aren't there to interject and, you know, pause and stop the film and say, oh, 
this is toxic masculinity warning. You should feel ashamed. You should feel terrible. You should condemn James Bond and Daniel Craig. This is toxic masculinity. Woo, 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 woo. You know, they, they can't put that siren off. People are just engrossed because everyone recognizes that that's what we want. That's what we desire. You know, James Bond and Daniel Craig, the women want to be with him and the men want to be him. That's how it goes. And the body count in this movie, by the way, I don't know if I've ever seen a James Bond character kill so many people. And people in this theater, I'm telling you, I mean, obviously you get a sense just from the breaths and some of the conversation happening all around you. And again, this is a small space. And there was applause, audible applause, when he would pick up a gun and shoot one of these guys. I mean, I thought these people were against violence, against self-defense, against the Second Amendment. Not when they're watching James Bond. They're celebrating. They love it. They can't get enough of it. They want more. And, and what's interesting, this is, not a, this is not a spoiler alert because I'm not spoiling anything. As you know, I knew going into this, and actually what I had been told was not really true uh, it, it, to some regard, okay? But, but, you know, the premise of this is that James Bond has been away for five years, a significant amount of time, so that uh, the department, MI6, they don't know where he is. They assume he's dead or missing, and so they instate, install, they give away his 007 number to a black female, a female who happens to be black. She is 007, takes over for Daniel Craig, James Bond. But do you know what happens throughout this movie? You have a juxtaposition of these two individuals. Daniel Craig, 007, the original, the OG, and this woman who's taken over as 007. And she depends on him, leans on him throughout the movie. She is incapable of doing the job that Daniel Craig does. As a matter of fact, you see her in action and you see him in action. And guess who everyone gravitates towards? James Bond! James Bond! I mean, who do you want to, 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 who do you want to cheer for? Who do you want to watch? It's like men's and women's sports. Men's sports, just by virtue of the free market and, and the way we're wired, there's a reason that women's sports doesn't have the audience that men's sports does. Men's sports is more exciting. That's just a truism. That's not to say there aren't impressive female athletes that they're not a wonder to behold, but they're not as wondrous to behold as a male in that world. I'm not talking about cooking. You got you can put a female chef and a male chef one-on-one, mano-a-mano, and a female chef might blow the man out of the water. When it, but when it comes to physical prowess, the man's going to dominate because that's genetics. That's human nature. And again, who do you want defending you? A male Navy SEAL who's the biggest bad A of the bad A's on SEAL Team 6 or whatever you want to say? Or do you want the female equivalent, which is not even close to the deadliness and uh, strength of the male SEAL? You're going to go with a male SEAL 100% of the time. And so I guess my point is, I, I just had these thoughts while I was watching this. Here I am sitting in this theater with a bunch of leftists. Uh, and when left to their own devices, what do they do? They sit here and watch James Bond. You know, it's like, it's like the Christians who go to church on Sunday and they act one day, act one way, 
pious and so on and so forth. And then the other six days of the week, well, they take six days off from being a Christian. They don't, they don't act like Christians. I mean, you would never know they were Christians. But that one day, they act like it. And here we go. You know, we got six days of the week, seven days of the week, roughly, that these leftists are out there spewing their, you know, anti-masculinity, you know, promoting the fact that, you know, men and women are equal uh, in terms of everything, physical ability, that women should be drafted into the military. But then this three hours or two and a half hours of the movie, guess what? No, no, they're worshiping at the altar of the truth, which is James Bond is awesome. And he represents culturally. Well, you know, let me just interject here with this, too. I mean, James Bond, by the way, he is proud to be British. I mean, in fact, when you see him, every chance he gets, you know, there's a, 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 uh, you know, the British flag, the UK flag there. The Union Jack. He's on a boat on his own on vacation before he's even active again. And what is he? What does he have on his boat? A Union Jack flag. He's proud to be, be from the UK as he should be. And, um, so there we have a couple, a couple takeaways from this. One that, you know, it's all a lie. You know, this idea of toxic masculinity, um, uh, this idea that, you know, yeah, there's no reason that, that a woman, you know, shouldn't be able to play Bond. It's all baloney. Because when it comes down to it, these same people preaching this garbage day in and day out, they come and sit and watch James Bond and they cheer and celebrate because he represents American values. He's an underdog. He's against the system. He does what's right. He fights back. He doesn't depend or lean on anyone. He's self-reliant. And that's what makes America great. And everyone recognizes that that's what makes a man great. So those are a couple takeaways there. But you know who is nothing like James Bond? And that's where I really wanted to go with this too. Pute Buttigieg. Butte Edge Edge. You remember those bumper stickers, by the way? Yeah, I, I guess it was nice. I guess it did help me remember his name when you see those Boot Edge Edge, literally E-D-G-E-E-D-G-E, Butte Edge Edge, because his name is not pronounceable, unrecognizable. But uh, <clears throat> he couldn't be further from the James Bond character. And I want to say this, you know, of course, you know that Pete, Mayor Pete, let's just call him Mayor Pete, you know, the former brilliant, successful mayor of a town of 100,000 people in South Bend, Indiana, who has no real work experience, and now we see it. Well, back in August, we've learned that he just took paternity leave. He didn't give anyone else uh, his job uh, transport transportation secretary. Well, well, they just put up a sign on their on their door saying, you know, out for paternity leave, out for paternity leave. So he's been out since August, and of course, we didn't really recognize or notice until recently. Um, and, and the point here too is, of course, that he didn't do anything to begin with. We we're not really benefiting from him being back, uh, supposedly kind of working. Now he's making the rounds like he's Doctor Fauci, right? He's going around, speaking his nonsense, showing how incompetent he really is. And, you know, the argument was, and he still says, of course, that, well, why shouldn't I be able to be out on paternity leave? Everyone should have the right to be on paternity leave. 
Um, well, I don't know. There's a crisis and you're the, you know, transportation secretary. Um, maybe you should come back to work and figure it out. But uh, before I actually get into explaining to you what's really going on with the supply chain crisis. And believe it or not, I know this will be really hard to believe. Uh, you, you, you can't even imagine this would be the case in California, the free state of California that is setting the tone for freedom in America. But um, that, I'm joking, of course. But it's uh, due to California regulations and policies that are contributing to this. But before I get into that, I just want to say something about Pete. You know, Pete is endemic of, well, a a Democrat party that cares nothing about experience and expertise. Pete got his job because he's gay. That's why he got his job. And, you know, it's one thing if he's gay and had experience in supply chain management or some kind of resume qualifications that would make him an ideal candidate candidate to become the transportation secretary. But for the left, the, scu- the color of your skin, uh, your transgender status, or, you know, you being gay or a minority or whatever it is, you know, those are the qualifications that the left looks for. And this is what we're witnessing t- today. We are suffering under the weight of a Democrat party who does not hire people who are qualified for positions like Kamala Harris, like Joe Biden, even like Barack Obama. None of these people had any practical experience. They did not have great success in the private sector running companies. They don't have any experience or expertise doing anything that they're being tasked to do. And Pete is the latest example of that. This guy, by the way, Pete, Pete, loser Pete, lazy Pete. Uh, You know, I've got a couple pull quotes here from things he's said since he's come back. Well, let me just, let me read them and then I'll make my point. He says, uh, don't get me wrong. It's the most demanding thing I think I've ever done. That Chasten, that's his husband, and I have ever taken on, but it's just amazing. Now, he's not talking about the transportation secretary job. That's not the most demanding thing he thinks he's ever done. The most demanding thing he's ever done is giving birth to a child, feeling in his loins what it's like to be a woman. No, 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 none of that happened, of course. Although they did have that photo op in which uh, he and his husband are laying in a hospital bed as if they've just given birth. What a ridiculous, ridiculous photo. But uh, before becoming a father, here's something else Buttigieg said. He said, I used to think of 5 a.m. as early. I mean... I, I, 5 a.m. is early. You think this guy ever got up at 5 a.m. to work as transportation secretary? This guy doesn't get up any earlier than Joe Biden. Let's just be honest. He gets up around 9 a.m. probably. 
I mean, it really doesn't matter what time he gets up. He doesn't work. He never has worked. You know, he goes out in conjunction, in collaboration with CNN cameras uh, in a bus, and he uh, pulls a bicycle out of the back, and then he gets on the bicycle and rides a block while they film him and says, see, see, I care about global warming. Uh, Now he says, another quote, now I think of it as nap time if I'm lucky. And yet, I catch myself grinning half the time. We're just over the moon. So there you have it. Pete, Pete, he's, uh, he's just grinning half the time. He's over the moon. I mean, the country is reeling from inflation. Uh, we have over 500,000 cargo ships, uh, or whatever the number is, sitting off the coast of Long Beach. We have Christmas being stolen. The Grinch who stole Christmas. Biden and his administration, but he's over the moon. He can't be bothered. Doesn't matter what's happening to America. He's just, you know, he's just got a job like any other schmuck, right? He's just a transportation secretary. Um, gosh, you know, thank God. Thank God that uh, James Bond, you know, uh, didn't take paternity leave while the world was on fire. Thank God he didn't say, it's my right you know, to take paternity leave. Thank God he, um, he stepped up to the occasion. But I'm going to take a short break. When I get back, I'm going to explain the supply chain issue to you all uh, to make it clear about what's really responsible for this. It didn't have to be this way. It's, uh, it's an accumulation of things that stem from what? Government interference. So I'm going to explain this uh, supply chain crisis in as simple terms as possible. Well, let's think back to March of 2020. What did we do? We shut down the economy. We shut down the economy. And uh, only the brilliant among us could foresee the disastrous reverberations that would be felt long after. So, of course, companies were forced to lay off their workforces. You had essential and non-essential workers. Those people were put on unemployment benefits in many cases. Amidst the uncertainty, they had to seek other jobs, new careers. And once the economy, of course, began to come back, once China began producing goods that we would import to our country once again, Well, these companies faced labor shortages. So you've got labor shortages to begin with. And in this particular circumstance, all of those goods that were not being imported for so long are suddenly being rushed off of our coast. These companies still are facing labor shortages. And when you think of the supply chain, let's just think about what happens. You've got boats that come in to deliver the goods. Those goods have to be taken off the boats and shipping crates. The contents of those crates then have to be loaded onto trucks. Those trucks then have to be driven to warehouses. 
Those warehouses have to unload the trucks, sort through it, put them on new trucks, and then deliver them to, you know, your local stores. Gee, what could possibly be the problem? Well, you know, Joe Biden's solution, of course, he announced that, well, people are going to be working 24-7. Well, you know, you can't work uh, 24-7 as an individual in any capacity. You can't subject one truck driver to working 24 hours a day. If you don't have new employees to fill those shifts, you don't accomplish anything. There's no one to work 24-7. You have the same amount of people working the same hours, even if they're going 12, 14, 16 hours, you still don't have enough people to take those goods and deliver them. Okay, so let's look at the, uh, the, the these, these truck companies. Let's say they want to hire additional individuals. Well, you can't just get in an 18-wheeler and start driving it. You have to train these people. You have to pay these people. But there's something else that's getting in the way that the left won't want to discuss. And that's this. Where are these ships delivering the goods? California, the coast of California, Long Beach, California, for example. Well, what regulations might California have in place that would prohibit the hiring of additional workers, prohibit additional vehicles being purchased and used in addition? Well, imagine this. California, where I live, has a, let's see, what do we want to call this? Well, they have a, a bill, a law, right? That, no, it's a law. It's a regulation, right? We've got nothing but regulations in California. We have a regulation that essentially tells trucking companies that by, I believe it's 2035, um, these gasoline guzzling, diesel guzzling vehicles, well, they will be illegal by that date, 2035. So they're requiring these companies to purchase electric trucks that don't even exist in large numbers, which are practically not even useful when you think about the long range mileage that these people have to cover, these trucks have to cover. And so when a trucking company in California knows that gas and diesel vehicles that are currently in use won't be allowed to be used come 2035, do you think they're going to purchase additional, invest in additional gas-guzzling vehicles that are going to be obsolete and illegal for use in a little over a decade? No. So they don't have the trucks that can even go to the ports to be used to load these goods. Um... And additionally, you've got a union situation. So California is proposing, or has proposed in the midst of all of this, a law that bans owner-operators. Do you know what owner-operators are? That's people who are non-union trucking companies and drivers. 
And so in the past, these ports have been served by these non-union employees. But California is saying that if you're not a union driver, you can't work at uh, these ports. And so you have a couple of different things happening. And so Biden, of course, and Pete Buttigieg aren't addressing any of these root causes. California is not proposing legislation to get rid of this. I mean, if you have a vehicle that's older than 2010, that's, you know, 2009 or before, well, they're, they're making these, these, these trucks be refitted, their engines be completely refitted to meet the new standards that won't even be standards that are required come 2035 because even those standards will be replaced by these new standards for all electric vehicles. And so you have California, the Marxist moronic legislators here in this state that are contributing to this crisis to begin with. And so this is government created like everything else. And this won't be solved because the ports are in California. So unless these ships are going to head to Florida, for example, as DeSantis has proposed, there will be no solution to resolve this supply chain crisis. These cargo vessels could offload and move their product to Florida, but, you know, that takes time and money as well. If we had a responsible government, Joe Biden... Pete Buttigieg would be on the phone with Gavin Newsom. That's who they that's who they would be calling to say, "Hey, your regulations are causing this chaos. Stop these regulations. Encourage these people to hire. Get rid of your, you know, unemployment benefits." But of course, we have another situation too that's not talked about. As someone who lives as your eyes and ears in the communist state of California, Well, they have passed legislation and demanded that employers employing 100 people or over, as Joe Biden has suggested people do, well, they have to require their employees to be vaccinated. And so just like Lori Lightfoot, who's ready and willing to fire half of her police force, just like L.A. City, which is ready and willing to fire half of their police force, half of their firefighters, half of their sanitation, half of everyone who won't be vaccinated. Well, these trucking companies, well, they're going to have to either lay off those employees that aren't vaccinated. And certainly people who aren't vaccinated aren't going to be applying for these jobs. And so this, like everything, is exacerbated. We don't have a government that is interested in solving these problems. They're making the problems worse. Time and time again. That's how it works. But, you know, of course, you know, we're on the forefront here in California of pushing forward for an all-electric vehicle state in the near future. Did you hear about Kamala Harris? That's right. Kamala Harris. Do you know what she's up to? Did you see her? She is uh, on her way. Uh, where was she going, by the way? Um, bear with me. I got, you know, I got a stack that extends to the moon here. Um, all of the stuff going on. She's, so she's headed. Here we go. So she headed out, I think it was uh, yesterday, 
on the 18th. Well, she headed to... Hold on. I want to know where she went because it was a long way away. She went to... Hold on. Don't go anywhere. Where did she travel? Okay, 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 okay. I was right. I doubted myself. I should never doubt myself. Lake Mead, it's in Nevada. So she was traveling to Nevada. And so, I don't know. I think that's probably 2,000 miles at least, that flight, in terms of mileage. So she's walking onto, you know, an airplane, a carbon-emitting airplane, to travel to Lake Mead to talk about the climate crisis. Now, in the pandemic... Everyone's been just fine, right? Joe Biden and these people hiding in his basement, they just do a, 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 you know, they do a Skype call. They do a video conference call. So, you know, that proves the point that she doesn't actually have to travel there to address this. She could just do it with the leaders, do it on a Skype call from her phone in in Washington, D.C. There's no need. Look, if these Democrats are really concerned about climate crisis, you know, what, what is the one thing we've learned from this pandemic from a bunch of leftists? Well, they don't have to go to their offices anymore. Everyone can work from home. I mean, those people that aren't driving trucks, ostensibly, ostensibly from the ports, you know, to deliver our goods. But, you know, many of these jobs, you can just do it right from home. Kamala Harris, well, she could sit in Washington, D.C. and just get on a Zoom session and talk about climate change. But no. She has to get on a plane and travel 2,000 plus miles to Nevada to talk about the issue. She's not going to go there and do a rain dance and make water come down to fill the lake. So there's no reason for her to do this. And if there was any any real uh, conviction and concern about this climate crisis, she would lead the way. She would lead the way by doing that conference from the White House. What a statement that would make, right? If she just did it from the White House and said, look, I'm not getting on jets when I don't have to. I'm setting an example for the American people. You know, if I get on this plane, I'm contributing to climate change. I'm actually, you know, the, the, the water levels are going to sink even lower at Lake Mead if I get on this plane. So I am going to show the American people that I'm going to do a Zoom call and be a responsible citizen who believes in climate change. But of course, they don't believe in any of this garbage. It's all baloney like everything else. Everything else they're doing. You know, you had Jill Biden and Joe Biden, of course, uh, inside a restaurant in Washington, D.C., and they were pictured without their masks on their faces. And then Jin Psaki, of course, comes out and, it, you know, defends them. I can't remember exactly what she said. Um, no, I've got it here. I've got it here. So there were photos of, of Joe Biden and Jill Biden, right? They're maskless in this upscale Washington, D.C. restaurant. And they're, the, the Bidens, they had their masks in their hand. It was an Italian seafood restaurant. That's right. That's right. It was called Fiola Mare. All right. And this happened last Saturday. And what did Jen Psaki say? There are moments when we all don't put masks back on as quickly as we should. But I don't think we should lose the forest through the trees here. And she stressed, uh, she stressed, you know, that, that you know, <laughs> it doesn't even matter what she stressed. I, I don't care. I'm so tired of Jin Psaki. Uh, you know, 
I believe in extraterrestrial life these days because of looking at Jin Saki's face and Lori Lightfoot. The two of them could not uh, have been made by a human being. Um, their features are too inhuman. Um, just like Kamala Harris. I'm convinced she came off a, a foreign alien aircraft as well. There's no way that that laugh and those, those dead eyes uh, can be human. But anyway, there she is defending Jill Biden, Jill Biden and Joe Biden. I mean, these people don't abide by anything that they tell us to do. And I don't know what it's going to take for the American people, not you and me, but the, 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 the dumb ones out there, right? The ignorant ones that think that masks save lives. I mean, your hero, Dr. Jill and Joe, I mean, they don't have a problem not wearing their masks in a restaurant. But, uh, you know, these same people uh, religiously adhere to them. And, and that's why these people are cultists. They worship the cult of the Democrat Party. You know, I like to bring up, because I grew up in Texas, you know, the Branch Davidians with David Koresh. You know, David Koresh didn't allow, well, he required that all of his followers who live with him there in Waco, that they had to be celibate. But he, he took on over 20 uh, wives for himself. So, you know, he had all the intimate relations he could with all these individuals, but he told everyone else that they couldn't do it. But, you know, they went along with it anyway. Um, but we've got a lot going on here as well. Um, I've got, I've got it. I, I will talk about Colin Powell. I will hit that. I'm not going to, no, I'm not going to denigrate Colin Powell. You know, I, uh, I, I pray for his family and wish them the best. But I want to talk about the media reaction. Uh, to what's going on with that. And then we've got Christopher Steele. Do you remember him? You know, the, the left won't let any of these people just just rest. Uh, Christopher Steele. Uh, he is back on ABC in an interview discussing the validity of the Trump collusion dossier, which we already had an investigation into. We know that it's not real. We know that Steele has no credibility. We know he was paid via the Hillary Clinton campaign. To trump up these false charges, the PP tape, remember all of that, all of it proven untrue. We had the Mueller investigation that said it was not true and it was debunked. And yet here we go. The Democrat Party is so desperate and so vile and so out of ammunition that they're still trying to come after Trump on these trumped up phony Russia collusion hoax that they already spent, you know, $20 million plus of our tax dollars investigating, which came up with what? A big fat nothing. All right, this is Drew Allen. I'll be right back. So, uh, Colin Powell passed away. Now, he was 84 years old, and he apparently had uh, multiple myeloma. That is a, a form of blood cancer, all right? So, of course, that affects the immune system. But nonetheless, his death is reportedly due to having COVID-19. So he died from COVID. Now, Colin Powell was a fully vaccinated individual. And so, of course, the media is scrambling to change the narrative. All right? Because he was fully vaccinated, we're told time and time again that 
If you are fully vaccinated, well, it, 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 it prevents, it lessens the chances that you suffer the symptoms and that you're hospitalized. But Colin Powell died of COVID. And so, you know, they're saying that it's because he was immunocompromised. Uh, other people are, are, are going so far to say that even, well, if he'd gotten the booster shot, that certainly could have helped. And, and this is just part of the, the, the lies and hysteria about this vaccine. You have an individual who died from COVID despite being fully vaccinated. I understand that he's immunocompromised. But he got the vaccine, fully vaccinated, and died. And they are, you know, tying themselves once again into pretzels to try and say that the vaccine works. Well, it didn't work for Colin Powell. But these sick, demented people are trying to say, too, that part of the reason that he died is because there weren't enough people that were vaccinated. I'm trying to find right now this tweet from somebody because it describes the, 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 the mental illness that is afflicting the, the vaccine cult today. Um, let me see if I can find it. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. So, so, so CNN, Allison Camerota. There's an exchange. Do you want to hear the exchange? Let me play the exchange for you. Let, let's, let's do a bit of audio today, and then I'll go on and comment. And it's so sad to hear that he was scheduled for his booster shot this week when he got ill and had to go to the hospital. But given how complicated we now know his medical history was, would the booster shot have saved his life for somebody with that profile? Well, it might have helped, but let's take a step back and look at his risk factors. So the first is that he is already medically fragile, meaning because of age being 84, and also we know that risk is additive. And so having Parkinson's, having multiple myeloma, having chronic medical conditions means that for somebody else, they could have had a mild breakthrough infection. But for somebody who is medically vulnerable, that could have led to a much more severe outcome. The other thing is multiple myeloma itself, a blood cancer, results in people potentially not mounting the same type of immune response as somebody who is otherwise healthy. And so there was a study published in July that found that patients with multiple myeloma, about 45% of them, only 45% of them, um, will mount an adequate immune response after vaccination. And so that's why this is the group that is extremely vulnerable. They are recommended to get a booster shot, but even with a booster, they may still not have as much protection in order to prevent from severe outcomes. And Okay, I'm going to stop it right there. So, the vaccine, this, oh gosh, these liars, the way they talk, I mean, it's, it's so perceptible. Uh, it, it might have, it might have helped, but, um, you know, we have to, we have to go back and, and we have to look at the, the vaccine mandate. I mean, the people that, I mean, um, I mean, you know, um, I'm um, compromised though. These people are the least articulate morons on planet Earth. But nonetheless, so here she says, basically admits, you know, the vaccine actually doesn't really help these people. Yeah, booster shot might have, but, but really because he's immunocompromised, he's got these problems, the vaccine really wouldn't have done anything. We are told every day, day in and day out, 
that the vaccine is going to save lives. But the people that need the vaccine are not young, healthy Americans, young, young, healthy individuals, because they're not going to die from, from it anyway. The only people that are supposed to need this vaccine are the obese, which represent nearly 80% of the hospitalizations, and people that are elderly, immunocompromised. And here she is admitting that the vaccine couldn't even protect somebody who they are claiming is the most at risk. So what is the point? I understand there are doctors out there that are listening saying, oh my gosh, Drew, you're an anti-vax. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. But I'm saying this is absolute proof that this vaccine is not doing the very thing that we're being told every day that it is going to do. I mean, I listened to this, this, this clip the other day of, of these doctors, the CDC and everything else, talking about the vaccine 100%. Oh, no, now studies indicate it's 80% effective. No, oh, now it's 60% effective. Now it's 50% effective. Oh, it's down to 40% effectiveness. Oh, now we need booster shots. And they are pushing vaccine mandates. You have Colin Powell, who was immunocompromised. He got the vaccine and died of COVID. That tells you everything you need to know. These people aren't supposed to die. These people aren't supposed to die from COVID. He didn't die from the cancer in the end. It was COVID who took him, despite being fully vaccinated. But the narrative now is... Oh, well, enough people around him weren't vaccinated. So that can contrib- What? What? We are not living in a world, a sane world. A sane world. I mean, a vaccine, you, I, I, gosh, I, I am, wanna, I wanna, I, I just, I am so tired of having to talk common sense. Because we live in a, a clown world. A clown world. A vaccine that is supposed to create immunity now has been downgraded to mean something that creates protection. And it's the vaccinated that must be protected from the unvaccinated by having a vaccinated person next to a vaccinated person. That's not the point of a vaccine. This is not a vaccine. I mean, how much more evidence do we have to see? I mean, I again, I don't care if you get the vaccine. But if you get a vaccine and you still run the risk of getting infected or transmitting COVID, that is by definition not a vaccine. And I've talked too about, you know, that, you know, many doctors are calling this a pandemic of the vaccinated because, you know, you get the shot, you have an increased viral load. I've talked about this before. And so these vaccinated people think that they're walking around invincible and they're the ones infecting everybody because they're carrying the virus. Whereas the unvaccinated who doesn't have COVID is walking around not infecting anybody. But Colin Powell has died of COVID. And even that won't cause these COVID fanatics to look in the mirror and just ask themselves a question. But I thought the COVID vaccine was supposed to protect me. How is it that Colin Powell died of COVID, even if he was immunocompromised, but he died of COVID? He got a vaccine, a double vaccine. And then they say, oh, well, he should have gotten a booster shot. 
What? What? Can we have a sane conversation in this country? Meanwhile, we're going to fire half of our police forces around the country in these liberal cities and states because they're not vaccinated? Because they're supposed to get vaccinated to protect the public? Colin Powell died of COVID. <sighs> All right, let's go to another Jinsaki clip to uh, continue this discussion about the insanity and danger that America is in. Let me preface this real quick. So we've got China, who is uh, the most aggressive um, adversary of the United States of America since the Soviet Union during the Cold War. And of course, what was the problem in the Cold War? Well, we had an arms race. How did Ronald Reagan approach the arms race? Peace through strength. He did not welcome Russia's development of nuclear weapons. In fact, he said, no, no, we're going to wield a bigger stick to force you into compliance and submission. But we don't live in a sane world in which Ronald Reagan is president of the United States. We have China, who has nuclear weapons and is also testing hypersonic missiles, developing missiles that can come well, they can go from China to the United States and attack us here on our homeland. And so amidst this knowledge, this is the conversation with Jin Saki. On reports that China tested a nuclear-capable hypersonic missile over this summer, to the surprise of U.S. officials, are they accurate, and do these raise concerns about China's nuclear capability? Uh, well, I know General uh, uh, Secretary Austin, I should say, uh, was asked this question this morning and addressed it, uh, but I'm not going to comment on the specific report. I can say and e would echo what he said, which is generally speaking, we've made clear our concerns about the military capabilities that the PRC continues to pursue. Uh, and we have been consistent in our approach with China. Uh, we welcome stiff competition, but do we not, we don't, do not want that competition to veer into conflict. And that is certainly what we convey privately as well. So there you have Jin Psaki telling you and I, the American citizen, that it is the official policy of the Biden regime that they welcome the competition. We welcome stiff competition. Can you imagine... Franklin Delano Roosevelt, can you imagine Winston Churchill telling Adolf Hitler, hey, we welcome the stiff competition of Nazi Germany, but we don't want that competition to veer into conflict, but we welcome the stiff competition. This is part and parcel of the dangerous, deranged, well, mentality of the left the Marxist Democrat Party. You see, they don't believe that America has a right to be the dominant superpower in the world. And so here they are espousing that China has a right to develop ballistic missiles, to fit their nuclear arms onto missiles that can possibly reach North America. 
and strike and destroy American cities. We welcome the stiff competition. You didn't hear this from Ronald Reagan. We welcome the stiff competition from our USSR friends and allies that want to destroy us and bring about American oblivion. But this is Jinsaki and the Democrat Party. They welcome the stiff competition. Do you feel safe right now? Do you feel safe under this administration? Do you feel safe under these Democrats? I mean, the Democrat Party, as we've discussed, what do they represent based on this episode? Pete Buttigieg is an incompetent boob, unqualified, unfit for his position as transportation secretary. He takes paternity leave amidst one of the greatest crises that we living in this country today have experienced. This is much worse than what took place under the Carter administration. And amidst this crisis, amidst the inflation, we have a transportation secretary who is telling us that he's busy. That the hardest thing he's ever done is raising these two adopted children that he pretended that he gave birth to from his non-existent vagina. We have Kamala Harris, the border czar, who has yet to visit the border, who is getting on planes to travel 2,000 miles to discuss the dangers of climate change from fossil fuels when she could be having that meeting on a Skype conference call from Washington, D.C. We have a president of the United States and his wife who are demanding vaccine mandates and demanding masking saves lives, espousing that masks save lives while they do not wear masks indoors at elite, unaffordable restaurants in Washington, D.C. This is the Democrat Party. I know, I started out so funny today, and my humor has, has I'm sorry, it's kind of non-existent now. It's uh, all but disappeared. Um, but should we get into Christopher Steele here? I think we have to. I don't have a choice. I promised Christopher Steele... And I will deliver Christopher Steele. Now, let's go back in time. So here we go. I'm just going to read. I want you to be with me in this, all right? You and I are one. We're friends. We're family. Let's go through, go through this article together. This is from Fox News. And by the way, before I get into Fox News, Fox News is relative garbage at this point as well. Are you aware that uh, who who is the the... The reporter, John Roberts, who works at Fox. So he tweeted out uh, something about, you know, Colin Powell dying from COVID. And then he deleted his tweet because it was interpreted apparently as an anti-vax tweet. 
And so he goes through, you know, jumps through the, the hoops saying it was not. I was excited to get vaccinated, hoping it would help speed a return to normal life. I also did a P. So here he is. Oh, no, I'm vaccinated. I'm vaxxed. I espouse the vaccine. I, I'm not anti- an anti-vaxxer at all. I wouldn't dare say anything against the vaccine. Here's your corruption of corporate America and this vaccine lie. Anyway, here's the Fox headline nonetheless. Christopher Steele, ABC interview, slammed by ex-Trump official. He's no James Bond. We're full circle, circling back as Jen Psaki has yet to do. So a uh, former Trump administration official, uh, which is actually Cash Patel. Uh, this guy's a hero, by the way. He's the former Defense Department chief of staff. Anyway, he told Fox News on Monday that ex-MI6 agent Christopher Steele, he's the one who defended this controversial dossier of salacious allegations, the PP tape, etc. Well, he went on an ABC interview recently, and that's where he defended it. Tried to pretend like, oh yeah, it's still real, it's still relevant. Still real, still real. So, uh, I think the Russians felt they got pretty good value out of Donald Trump when he was president with the U.S. Steele replied when pressed by Stephanopoulos as to why the salacious video purporting to show Trump in bed with Russian prostitutes had yet to be publicly substantiated. Uh, When asked if a Trump 2024 bid would be a threat to national security, Steele replied in the affirmative. Of course he did. Of course he did. Um, actually, it doesn't matter. The point is, Steele is going on TV. Steele is a disgrace. Totally discredited. He was paid by the, 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 the Democrat the National Committee, the DNC, and the Hillary Clinton campaign to create this dossier. To distract from what? From Hillary Clinton's email scandal in which she violated the law. And then they used this fake dossier that alleged things that weren't even verified. They were invented, purely fabricated, like the PP tape. And they were used to investigate Donald Trump for Russian coll- Russia collusion. And they are still, to this day, even though we know that Steele is discredited, that he's a disgrace, that he is a tool of the Democrats, well, ABC and Stephanopoulos are interviewing him still. But this is par for the course, right? I mean, Dr. Fauci's a liar. He lied multiple times now about gain-of-function research that we were funding you know, the, 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 the Wuhan lab of virology to develop this COVID virus, amongst other things. And he's still on TV as if he's the expert in all of this. And uh, this is just where we are today. This is where we are today. And, you know, I, I have conversations with Democrats and they, they, they just don't get it. They still don't get it. I mean, 
how many times can you be lied to and still believe the liars that are telling you these same lies over and over again? <sighs> Sadly, we're out of time today. Um, I, I, I just... <sighs> I mean, there are so many things that we do not have time to get to. But the moral of the story is that this Democrat Party is absolutely morally bankrupt. And we must defeat them in 2022. And we must defeat them in perpetuity. Because if we do not, this country will be lost. But there is hope. We've got people standing up. And I'm telling you, we've got a revolution underway today. All right? People are answering the call. It's going to get worse before it gets better. But that said, we've just got to carry on with common sense. We have to carry on with standing our ground. Because an awakening is happening in this country. A movement is underway. It is bipartisan. It has nothing to do with race, ethnic background, anything else. More and more people are waking up to the fact that what is happening today is un-American. All right, this is Drew Allen. God bless you. I'll be back with you soon, believe me, because (laughs) when I wake up, there'll be more to say. All right, talk soon.